the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise, designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here is your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Hey, 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 my friends. How you doing? You know, I trust that you're doing fine, but I think after the end of this show, you'll be doing finer. I think I made up my own word, but that's okay. It's uh, uh, on my opportunity to use, uh, create words that uh, speak the truth. So I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, this content is going to be great for you. You may realize that we're in the challenging times of the, of the world right now. And God wants his church to be his church because he wants to activate us in every which way so that we can uh, bring many people to the Lord and we can be empowered to toss out the enemy in many ways. So I'll tell you, this show is going to help you. You know, you may have spent time in your prayer life and in front of the mirror going, you know, I'm not really where I think God wants me to be. We're going to help you answer that question today about what that means. But we're also going to answer that question about what it means for individual churches, individual denominations, individual administration people within the churches and and people that are sitting in the pews, every facet of person and people in the body of Christ and soon to be in the body of Christ can grow and understand more when we uh, excavate this particular topic. I have a co-host with me, and I also have a prayer warrior with me. Let me introduce my co-host for the entire two-hour show. Co-host is named Richard Russell. Hey, Richard. Hey, Kaz. It's really a pleasure to be with you on the radio after hanging out with you for so many years. That's right. A few decades, actually. (laughs) You know, Richard is really involved in the Christ-centered spiritual counseling environment. He his, his heart cries to maximize the spirit, soul, and body, every facet of the human being. He's also an author, and you'll love the title, Hearing God Clearly. And Rich, that's really one of the, I would say, the topic of the of the day today as we spend two hours from 5 to 7 p.m. talking about how to hear God clearly. And my friends, I want you to clean that wax out of those ears because I think you may hear him say some things that you hadn't expected him to say as it relates to our individual lifestyle, our collective lifestyle, you and I in the business mode or ministry mode or a a pastor in a church or church leadership, it's going to be eye-opening. And I'm going to ask you as the journalist that I am to listen and pray, weigh and pray. And as Holy Spirit says, yes, you jump on into it. Rich, you mind if we bring a prayer warrior on? Absolutely, please. I know you you and I have been friends for a long time. We know the value of prayer, don't we? Prayer is everything. Absolutely. Well, my listening friend, this is a person whom many of you are coming to know. He's one of our delightful prayer warriors. He's also going to be involved in ministry in more ways than he could even imagine. I want you to meet um, Arnie Jackson. He's one of our key prayer warriors. He's been with us for, you know, we've been on the air for five years. He's been one of the key prayer warriors throughout. Arnie Jackson, how are you doing, brother? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. And let me tell you, going over the script, I can't think of anything more exciting and more important than uh, uh, tonight. Wow. I'm ready. Okay, lay it on us, brother. 
All right. Oh, Heavenly Father, ever since you made the first family in the Garden of Eden, Satan has tried to destroy it. There's nothing new under the sun. And uh, COVID came and really threw things off. But, oh, God, this is so important. We need to be a family that come together and unite to, to strengthen each other. So, you know, Jesus said, I can call 12 legions of angels. We gave us authority. So, Lord, just, just we ask for your ministering spirits. It says in uh, um, Hebrews uh, 10.1 that uh, the, the angel of the Lord pursues those that shall inherit salvation. But So, Lord, all the things that are happening in the world today, we need, we lift up our hands. We cry out to you for deliverance for healing, for bringing the body together for restoration and transformation. And thank you for tonight. Thank you for uh, uh, the radio program, Kaz Taylor and uh, Richard Russell. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you anoint his words so strong that they go into everyone's heart and just uh, 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 for great harvest for the kingdom in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And by Amen. the way, we pray for you and with you, that God is doing ministerial things through you like maybe you hadn't even considered before, but it's going to be magnificent. And as he hands you that baton in a greater way, be bold because you got the goods there, Arnie. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kev. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for praying for us, my brother. Bless you, friend. God bless. God bless you. You know, my listening friend, here's the deal. It's always nice to have prayer support. No matter who you are, where you are, what you're doing, God wants to intervene. And sometimes he uses that friend or spouse, (laughs) if I may say, (laughs) to whisper sweet somethings in your ear. Mm -hmm. And it's really important for us to pay close attention. So Richard Russell gets to be the one who's whispering sweet somethings in your ear. And we're in prayer that you listen and hear what he has, what God has to say through him. And because, and and I want you to feel free to uh, weigh and pray these things because some of these things you will not have heard in this context before. And, and I know Richard and Richard's hearts, he's been true blue ever since I've known him for literally decades, but he asks the hard questions and sometimes God gives him the hard answers. He's going to share some of those with you. So, Richard, why don't you spend a mo- very brief moment now, just a real brief overview about who, why, what, where, when, and how of Richard Russell, and then we'll get in onto the topics. Is that fair? Oh, my. Yeah. I've Come been, on. Uh, I've been radically born again for uh, about 43 years now, and, and I was actually born again before I met Jesus, which is radical to begin with. But Isaiah 64 says he revealed himself to those who did not seek him. And uh, I was one Ooh, of those ones yes. that uh, that got revealed to. And then a, a man, a, a man who had no desire to go to church, uh, all of a sudden had these sudden desires to go to church. Mm-hmm. And when I went to church, I met him. I met Jesus, and the overwhelming encounter of his love, a, a love that I had never experienced in my previous thirty years. Yes, I was changed, and I was hooked, and I've been hooked ever since. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, there's one of your hallmark scriptures that you use, I think it's in Acts chapter 17, about uh, the different people from different areas like Bereans and Thessalonians and things like mm-hmm. that. And I, I think you're going to do an exercise in that very topic right now. You're going to be sharing some things Holy Spirit shared with you. And it, the scripture talks about weighing and praying these things and receive that which is good and true and walk away from those things which aren't. But you're, my listening friend, I'm going to challenge you. <laughs> I believe you're going to be hearing some things you hadn't really heard in this context before. You want to carry this a little bit further? We've got about three or four minutes. Um, so, I, I guess, I guess where I would like to start is I want to I want to share my heart that um, 
we're going to be talking about some hard things about the the, the church that needs to change. Yes, and um, and my heart, I am not, I, I'm, I don't want to be critical of the church, but these are the most serious times that maybe in history. I at believe the, so. At the at the you know the preeminent return of Christ. Uh, the potential collapse of an economy, even if we're not looking at the return of Christ, the prophecy of a billion harvest, member harvest, yes. um, uh, and uh, and the church is completely unprepared for it. So that I mean, that's going to be the topic. You know, m- more than about me is 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 waking the church up to to the reality that we're thoroughly and completely unprepared. And what can we do? What can we do to prepare not only for the harvest but for His return? And uh, and and recognizing how much we need each other relationally. Say that word again. Relationally, we we really need to develop relational models of church uh, because Satan has always wanted to isolate. Satan has always wanted to divide. Um, and God is saying, "I created you for relationship. Um, I sent my Son to restore that relationship." And in between, where the law and the prophets, what Jesus summed up, is love God and love one another. Everything God does is relational, yeah. and yet we're in a church format that is eighty to ninety percent uh, non-relational. And and in the critical times that are coming, we're going to need each other more than we've ever needed each other in our lives. And uh, and the church can be uh, the forerunner. The church can be the harbinger of of developing relational models. Yeah. that will uh, sustain us through the most difficult times many of us have ever encountered. You know, you're speaking right to me because, you know, if I were to identify myself, one of the main uh, skill sets that I have is administrational. I, I like to have things tight. In other words, I like to know what's happening, when, is this, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, and what I can do to impact things in that Direction and sometimes I may step back and and you may identify with this my listening friend as well. You may step back and you go. I spend a lot of time orchestrating and organizing, but how much time have I spent relationally? Mm-hmm. And the truth of the matter is, when I, and now that I realize, you know, the character of the Holy Spirit, get the relationship right, and He will empower the administrational things secondarily. Yeah. And to me, that that is a revelation. So I know you're going to be speaking to me during this time frame as well. So about time for us to take a break. But what are, where are we going in the next segment? Uh, in the next segment, I really want to talk about just how relationless this generation is and the opportunity. Relationless. Relationless. Oh and, and actually what created the relationless environment was going all the way back to the Jesus movement when we chose the gifts over the gift giver, we chose the uh, anointing over the anointing giver and the principles over the principle giver. And, and, and all of a sudden it's like, we started doing things for Christ rather than with Christ. Yes. And, and we've ended up with a, you know, we've ended up with this, um, what we have today. Yeah. But it provides a fertile ground. So that's what we'll be discussing, this fertile ground of opportunity in this generation. Rich Russell is with us. And you know, you're talking about going back to that time frame. And I would say, and you would agree with me, I know, because we've talked about this, actually is going back to Adam and Eve and the, the enemy saying, have God really said? And that put us hanging around the tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead mm-hmm. of the tree of life. Exactly. And the tree of life is relational. So I, I have a feeling not yeah. only we're going to be go back back a few millennia here, but we're also going to go back to we're the have fun. of God's the 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 breath of mankind. Yeah, a brief history might lay a foundation <laughs> yes, for yes, why yes. we're going where we're going today. Very good. Well, in the next segment, you and I are going to talk about a relationless generation. Take a look at that and maybe even take a look in the mirror as it relates to us, our church, 
our friends, and so forth when Richard Russell and Kaz come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Welcome back, my friends. Yes, indeed, a remarkable show dealing with relations. And uh, you and I have them. God has them with us. But the enemy wants us to focus on the how-to instead of the who-with component. And, and that's one of the areas where he throws kind of a wrench in the machinery, basically, and causes us to focus on the wrong things. My co-host for the entire two hours is Richard Russell. He's a powerhouse. He runs a Christ-centered spiritual counseling environment uh, to maximize wholeness and well-being. He's the author of a book, listen to this, called Hearing God Clearly. Richard, we're going to be talking a lot about hearing God clearly, aren't we? So one of the things that I think we want to talk about here is uh, we talked about relationship, but you also talked about in the last segment relationless uh, things. So yeah. I'll hand the baton to you, Richard Russell. Okay. And and again, you know, as as human beings, we want to point the finger somewhere else. Sure. And and I think the church corporately has kind of done that with we're, we're looking at everything that's wrong with culture, and, and it's time for a little bit of self-examination. And... And just to give a like a large historical perspective, if you go back to you know the, uh, the the church really started getting off course with when 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 Christianity became a um, uh, the formal religion of Rome, and uh, and so many of the um, uh, practices of the church today were basically Roman mythology and 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 the the heathenism of the the Roman culture got blended in with it. it and then one of the major things that that uh, that changed during that time was the anti-semitism in the church uh really became prevalent and find that for me uh well again if to to keep it relevant to today we we have departed from teaching the feasts okay there is such incredible revelation and understanding of the person and nature of God and his kingdom and teaching on the feasts. And, and we've, we've fallen to the point of celebrating Christmas trees and Easter bunnies yep. instead, when, of. instead of, instead of the, the revelations right. that come through the practicing of the feasts. Feasts and the harvests and, and, and the months and all those different things. It's absolutely yeah. – and you're an expert on it. I just – like I, I sit at your feet whenever you're talking <laughs> about the feasts. Well, and, you know, there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9. It says uh, – that which was, is, and that which is, is to come, because there's nothing new under the sun. And also back in Genesis, it, it talks about God created the sun, the moon, and the stars. For Listen, for this, my listening friend, for signs, mm-hmm. seasons, days, and years. We don't pay any attention to the signs and the seasons, and we ought to, because those are instructional, not only for horizontal and vertical relationships, but how and to survive in instructional, times. instructional, yes. and prophetic. And, That's so good. And then, and then the um, uh, again, very quickly on the um, uh, on the Reformation, you know that that was a very noble effort to to uh, weed out the the corruption that had come in um, to the Catholic Church. But then the Enlightenment intellectualized the Church. So rather than having rather than having revelation and communion. 
uh, intellectualism and knowledge and education uh, became the prevalent part of the church. But the but the part that really speaks to the relationship part is the Jesus movement. The Jesus movement started out as a relational movement. Yes. People were having revelations of Jesus, which is, I mean, we were being changed by encounters with yes. his presence. I mean, the beauty of those days was just absolutely amazing. And what was the fruit of that? It brought us into relationship with one another. And so all of a sudden, all these communities began to develop from communes to, uh, you know, to uh, to um, uh, just communities where people would be in, in, in groups together yes. and they would be face to face. And we would be experiencing the love and the presence of God, not only vertically, but horizontally with one another. Absolutely. It was absolutely magnificent. But then something happened and it was we departed. We departed from. Um, uh, this relationship, and we discovered the gifts, so we left the gift giver. We discovered the anointing. Say that again. That is so powerful. So we left the anointing giver. We discovered we the principles. We discovered the gifts. Yes. But we left the gift giver yes. behind. Yes. Please. Yes. And and that goes all the way back to the garden. You know, the Lord handed Adam everything on a silver platter, and Adam said, thank you very much. I'll take it from here. And so we now have what I consider a church that does things for God, but not with God. Oh and God's saying, "We want. I want my people back. Now, would you say that your comment is really beyond denominational lines? Oh, completely beyond denominational lines. This is really about the flesh wanting to be independent from God and God saying, no, I want a people in communion with me. And that's where that's what he's bringing us. So the fruit of being non-relational, this is how this is how important the church is in the world today, is that is that a generation later, we have the most relationless generation in history. But what a fertile ground for a God of relationship to turn around and see the brokenness in culture, the brokenness in people's lives, the increase in suicide, the increase in fentanyl addiction. These aren't government-caused. These are, these, are, these are culturally caused because of the failure of the church to stand connection with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the church needs to come back to relational models or relational focus and get away from where 80 to 90 percent of a Sunday morning is spent staring at the back of somebody's head. Oh, no question about that. No. Would, it, would it be accurate to say before some of these other bigger picture things happen, the church has to get it right? The believers, we believers have to get it right before God can release uh, his plan for uh, evangelizing the world. Basically, God's the tool God will use are people that are sitting in the chair of our listeners right now. And That's unless right. we get it cor- correct and have the right vertical and horizontal relationship, how can he's depending upon us to do that work? One scripture says it all. Second Corinthians seven thirteen through 15 says it very clearly. If my people Ooh. humble themselves, repent, and pray, turn from their wicked ways and pray, I will heal their land. If we take a look at our land today, it's in chaos. If you properly interpret that scripture, it's got to come back and sit right in the seat of the church. If we obey Second yes. Corinthians seven thirteen through 15, God will heal our land. If you know, I, I I bless the people who are involved in politics and the other seven mountains. I'm talking about the mountain of the church. Yes. And if the mountain of the church does what it's supposed to do, which is return to relationship with Jesus in humility and contriteness, 
he will heal our land, yeah. and the other six mountains will be so empowered good. to uh, uh, to see a transformation take place. You know, Rich, I'm going to ask you to further divine the church, divide, uh, define the church, because I have a feeling it's a, a broad picture and also a specific picture for individuals as well when you just when you talk about the church. But let me take just a quick moment here and talk about something that's coming up. Uh, August 26th. You know, we're in August now, by the way, my listening friend. And this is a venue, an event that happens the 26th of August through September 4th. It's called the Deeper Faith Mediterranean Cruise with Alastair Begg. And uh, it's going to be a, a you know, may, there may be some seats available. So when I give you a web link for this, I want you to check it out real fast, okay? They're going to explore the uh, area where the early church, Paul of the early church went You'll see uh, many of the missionary journeys. You'll see Greece, Croatia, Naples, Venice, the island of Malta where Paul was shipwrecked. We're going to have you visit Rome uh, and all these other places. It's called the DeeperFaithCruise.com, DeeperFaithCruise.com. Find out more, more about it. And it's August 26th through September 4th. You need to get on the Internet and go to DeeperFaithCruise.com. And by the way, my friends, if you want to talk to Kaz, go to Come Together San Diego at kprz.com. Rich Russell, uh, pay this off. You have a couple minutes left, but I'm asking you to define what the church is. A lot of people will go, okay, the church is a place that I go. Oh, no. Only. The, the, the church is not an organization. The yep. church is a family. Yep. Jesus Christ is the head, and, um, and, and we are his children. If we can understand the devotion of a father— a devotion of a mother and father to the children, uh, we would not hide in shame. We would not come to church with a veneer on. We would come longing to to laugh and to cry and to and to eat together. And we and when we get into what the church actually looks like, what the original church looked like, we're going to discover uh, just how familial. Uh, the church was, mm-hmm. and so it cannot. It, we've we've got to change from the event based. Uh, format into getting together, even around potluck. That's right. And, uh, and but in the center of that potluck is communion with Christ. Yes. Now you mentioned a scripture at the very beginning that said is really the hallmark scripture. I think I heard Second Corinthians. I think you meant Second Chronicles. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, Second Chronicles, Chronicles seven, 14, yes. fourteen, and on, yes. right around there. Yes. And relate that to us again. Okay, Second Chronicles seven fourteen and fifteen says that if my people humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, and pray, I will heal their land. And and all we have to do is take a look at the fruit of the land that we live in, and that should convict us deeply about right. our need to return to Christ. Okay, well now you've you've stated the problem, and a wise teacher states the problem and stirs people's awareness, and then he presents pieces of the answer. So I presume in the next segment you're going to start talking about the answers to these challenges? I've spent 35 years <laughs> looking for an answer, and huh? I've got a few. Okay, very so. good. Uh, I appreciate that. Richard Russell, a, a brother in Christ, and a guy who is a thinker. You know, the Bible's got a lot of scriptures, but he wants you to meditate on them and think about them. Don't just take what other people have said and think their points of view. Take God's points of view through his Holy Spirit. It'll amaze you. We're going to talk about some solutions to the relationless generation when Richard Russell and Kaz come right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K Praise. 
Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on Praise. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on Praise with Kaz Taylor. Hello, my friends. I know uh, tomorrow many of you are getting ready for church and many of you are not. Probably the reason many of you are not has a great deal to do with the topic today. We're talking about what God's plans are for his church. And when I say church, I talk to, I'm talking about the believers, the ecclesia, the called out ones, and what we are called to do. So Richard Russell is with me, and he's a, a powerhouse in God. He, he deals with the Christ-centered spiritual counseling, trying to deal with the spirit, soul, and body, and bringing them all together in perfect harmony. But he also has a heart cry to bring the church itself together into perfect harmony. Um, he's the author of a book called Hearing God Clearly. And I, I want to spend just a moment. He, we set the stage in the last segment talking about uh, going to church and it being relational, Richard. And I'm going to I'm going to ask you a question and spend, have you spend some time answering that question. Well, a person, when they go to church, a lot of people think or maybe they don't even think much about it, but they want to make sure that the performance is good and the presentations are powerful um, and so I'm going to ask you, what do you think is going on in the seats on Sunday mornings? Yeah, uh, and and again, I I I've been accused of being a prophet in the past, and so when I walk into a church, I'm I'm really trying to listen, listen yeah. for what the heart of God is, what's going on in, in the people, and there are two screams that I hear uh, when I walk into most churches, and and one is a silent scream of people being unseen, unheard, unvalued, and living a life of pain. And and uh, and hoping, crying out that if they come to church, God will connect with them. And yet there's this this. And again, I I, I believe in the church. We need to change, but but we've become an entertainment based concert style teacher centric format that distracts from the heart of God to equip through healing and connecting and empowering that God wants to do on a Sunday morning and throughout the entire week. Yes. That's um and then the other scream I hear are the is the silence of the treasures. Say that again. The silence of the treasures that that they carry so much and they're not being tapped into. They're not being they're not being given opportunities to express Christ in them, the hope of glory. Yeah. And the only way we're going to fully see Christ is by a full expression of the entire voice of the priesthood of believers and a plurality of expression. And, and define the priesthood of believers. That's an interesting uh, comment you made. Yeah, the priesthood of believers are all those that are, that, are, that are born again and call upon the name of Jesus and, and have a relationship with him and long for a deeper relationship. That's the priesthood of believers. We want to minister to him. And we want to minister to him in, in, in worship, which is surrender, yes. devotion, adoration, obedience, and trust. And the overflow of that is an expression of him. And the best model of that is found in Acts 13, too, where the apostles and prophets, along with Paul and Barnabas, were ministering to the Lord. And in the process of ministering to the Lord, the Lord, the Holy Spirit set aside Paul and Barnabas yeah, for, for work and ministry, for a yeah. pretty yeah. effective ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, as you talk about that, I'm reminded of 
back in 1906, the Azusa Street Revival, everybody had preconceived notions of how that was going, you know, any big move of God. And even today, with all the different things that are going on that are promising new moves of God, people have preconceived notions about how that should be. But when you talk about William Seymour in 1906 and in, in, in uh, in the Azusa Street Revival and the San Francisco issues and things like that that were going on there, mm-hmm. he spent his time almost continually in a soapbox, closing out himself and praying on the floor in the middle of the the gathering there to allow Holy Spirit to have Holy Spirit's way. And, you know, that, I'm hard-pressed to see that in many church environments these days. We want to have God's best in communication with us rather than a pastor's interpretation or misinterpretation of what the word wants to say. And many of the people in the in the pews have pieces that need to be part of it. Talk to us about that. Well, and again, the thing about Asbury that was so refreshing Asbury, yes. was that, was that uh, one of the testimonies there is that it was, we don't want celebrities. We don't, we, don't, we don't want celebrities. We want God. We want to be ministering to God. As a matter of fact, one of the testimonies from a young lady and, and you know, one of, somebody from our generation says, you know, what's going on here? And she said, I don't understand your generation. You spent all your time ministering to one another. All we want to do is minister to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of ministering to the Lord, oh, yes. the Holy Spirit comes in and does all the work. I want to tell people, and I love praying for people, and I love, you know, I love praying for people with all my heart. And I, and, you know, I'll drop everything I'm doing to pray for somebody. Yes, but you know what? The bottom line is this, is that, is that we need to put Jesus at, at the front of the line, not at the end of the line. For all the people that want to pray for someone, um, we need to give Jesus a chance to connect directly with them. Okay, and, I got gotcha. you. And that's really, you know, that's, that's really what God wants to do um, in this church, in this new church that he's building. Yes, the original yes. church, the I original, Yes, say. I believe so, too. We're talking with Richard Russell, uh, a... Christ-centered spiritual counseling counselor deals with the wholeness, spirit, soul, and body, an author of writings. This one particular writing is called Hearing God Clearly. And that's really what you're talking about right now, Richard. You're talking about we need to hear God clearly. You know, and, and a lot of times the pastor's anointing of getting a message is going to be exactly the right time, but allowing Holy Spirit to orchestrate that rather than going watching in the watch and going, well, now it's time for you to stop and time for me to start. Holy Spirit may have other plans and he may be able to consolidate your message from 20 minutes or 28 minutes or whatever it is to uh, five minutes, but the dynamics of the intimate horizontal relationships changes everybody's point of view. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what three minutes. Okay. I'm not, I'm not sure what segment this is in. I I don't want to get, uh, you know, too off. Oh, go for it, Richard. (laughs) But uh, this is one of the things that frustrates me about church and, and, and the event based entertainment based system that we have is that the human mind cannot, cannot retain information from a monologue or a sermon for longer than 20 minutes. As a matter of fact, if it goes beyond 20 minutes, um, you lose the information that you gained in the first 20. Mm-hmm. And, yet, and, yet, and yet sermons go on for 45 minutes, an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. And it's like we could, we could the entire book of James can be read out loud in 12 minutes. I've done it. <laughs> Imagine the powerhouse of information that is released in those 12 minutes. Could a pastor possibly contain his topic into about 10 to 12 minutes and then provide opportunities for discussion, oh my. opportunities for um, uh, uh, um, 
gosh, just building these relational models um, where where people can actually connect with one another and and even spend time, you know, maybe having a potluck and having a discussion about the sermon. Sure. Uh, with one another because people have more ideas. There's a creativity within the body sure. that brings transformation, not just information. Okay. Now, you know, you're talking about different denominations and different church sizes and things like that. Would you say it can be a little bit more challenging to the mega church that has several thousand people in a congregation? Maybe maybe that thing has to happen on the, on an uh, individual level. Or like you said, after, after the church having this banquet or time together that you actually converse on on the topic, one of the things I have discerned when I talk with other people that you know they're getting an, an engaging word, but it's so deep or so uh, um, it's, it stirs me. Going, you know, I've been thinking about that, and I have a nuance too. Maybe there, if there's an environment where that can be presented, that you know, the whole church vertically and horizontally is enriched by that. We've got about a minute, so I'm going to have okay, you. Okay, well, let me s- let me sell, tease you. sell this and then bring it into the next. Let segment. me let me tease you with this. Over okay. the last 35 years of me praying and processing and seeking the Lord and even going back to school and getting my degree in organizational psychology, I believe that I see a church that's deeply relational, re- deeply relational that, can, that can literally be a million members. If, wow. we, if we use the internet the way it was designed to be used, we can provide an apostolic covering and teaching uh, format that actually enables people to connect together in homes. I call it franchising the church. I think it was Barna or Pew did a research on on why people don't open up their homes um, and and invite believers in to, in small groups. And there was like 20% just said, we don't want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the ones that were willing... They lacked the confidence. They didn't think they they didn't think they were a good teacher. They didn't think that they could you know they were good leaders. They they didn't think they had the anointing. They they're deferring to the anointing of the senior pastor, and they don't they they don't think highly enough of themselves. And and so we as leadership can provide that that. Um, that apostolic covering and come alongside and give them the tools they need to open up their home and invite people in so they can have a relational model, relational connections, and yet still provide that, that apostolic covering that's in Acts 2.42 that yes. Chris Reed prophesied about, if you're familiar with Chris Reed. Um, and, and we can do that. We can actually do that. So um, that's that's a vision and passion I have, and and hopefully um, we'll talk I'm, about that. Yeah. in the next segments as well. You know, one of the we're talking with Richard Russell. He's a, a a powerhouse. He's an author of a book called Hearing God Clearly, and we're getting into this Hearing God Clearly component right now. He used a phrase in this segment called franchising the church, and not in a bad way, in a positive way. Would can we spend some time in the next segment and beyond talking about what you mean by franchising the church? Yes, absolutely. I'd love to. There you go, my friends. Richard Russell and Kaz, we're going to be right back. More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next on K-Praise. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Hello, my friends. You know, part of my job here as the 
journalist and the co-host of Come Together San Diego and the, the main host, basically, uh, is to take my wooden spoon and not get not whack people with it. <laughs> oh, no. But to take that wooden spoon and stir things up a bit. And it gives us an opportunity for, you know, the chaff to get separated out and the fat separated from the meat and things like that as well. So this, well, I'm using this wooden spoon in this show to talk about the value of the relationship within a church environment but when Richard Russell and I talk about the the church environment, I think it's proper to properly define the church. You know, Richard, you and I talked a little bit about franchising the church in the last segment, but I know you want to define the church. It's hard to say, well, God wants to franchise the church and what it means. But do, I, I know you voiced an interest in defining better what the church is from a biblical standpoint. So I'm going to hand the baton to you, Richard Russell. Well, again, I believe that, uh, you know, God wants to bring it back. God does not want to build a new church. He wants to restore the original church. And and there are some strong indications in Scripture of what the original church looked like. And if we, and if we want to really uh, do the what does church look like, it's literally 1 Corinthians 11 through 14. Mm-hmm. And if you talk about 1 Corinthians 11, Paul is rebuking the Corinthians for the way they gather together. They're, he's not rebuking them for gathering together, but it's a teachable opportunity because they're doing relationships so badly mm-hmm. that, that, you know, but again, it was exposed. The, the, the lack of relationship was being exposed because they were gathering together in relationship. Yes. So he became the apostle and began teaching them. He wasn't rebuking them for the format. He was rebuking them for, you've got a lot to learn. And that's exactly kind of where we're at today. But the beauty of that, they gathered together around food, exposed yeah. how relationship they were and how how unrelational they were and how much more relationship they needed to learn. Uh, but then it, it, it all centered around Christ, the communion table. And, when he, and he says, you cannot come to the communion table. It's because some of you are asleep and, and have become sick because apart yes. from the communion table, you're not you're not treating people yes. like Christ is in them. Improperly defined what the body of Christ was. Exactly. Yeah. So we come into so so we have that as a foundation in First Corinthians eleven, where we're gathering together in fellowship, even around food, and then it goes into a teaching on the gifts. The gifts are really amazing in the sense that we've misunderstood the gifts. The gifts aren't for our entertainment or um, uh, or, or for whatever motivation. God's heart is to express his love. They're gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is love. These are expressions of love, but but when I prophesy, and I'm, and I'm really prophesying not out of my soul but by the Spirit, I feel his heart, and when I feel his heart, I'm changed. So the gifts of the Spirit not only express the love of God, but teach us how to love one another. Oh, my. That's so important. So that's why he goes in, in 12, he talks about the gifts. In, 13, in 14, he goes about when you're gathering together, how to actually run a meeting. Oh, my, yes. Where there's the, where's they're, they're, they're mutually responsible to one another. Uh, they bring, you know, it, let one prophesy. And that, and that the others judge. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, my friend Barry Steinman, who's a Messianic Jew, stood up in a meeting the, the other day. We were talking about, you know, what does a church look like? And he sure. stood up and he said, when the Jews got together, they were in a circle. They all got to share. Oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> and, was, and that brings to mind a scripture in the New Testament. It says that a man's 
Oh, I think it's the New Testament, maybe Old Testament as well, but a man's gift makes room for him. Yes. Maybe that's a proverb. Yes. But the truth of the matter is every person is given a, a, a gift. And you know what God wants to do is he wants us to come together and open gifts together. And, and everybody has a piece of the pie. Everybody has a piece of the pie. And if you're relegated to sit in, in a seat somewhere on a Sunday and just listen and then go and uh, just do life and come back again your the gift is not properly applied so pastors and leaders discerning different people and their gifts is good and around a, a communion table or around a, a supper table or a lunch table or something like that that's remarkable richard yeah the example that i use is is could you imagine being the father of a child on a little league baseball team and the and the the manager of the team taking the children into a, a TV room and having them sit there the entire practice watching people play baseball and then send them out on the field on Saturday and expect them to play well? No. We need to practice. We need to give the people in the pews the ball and the bat and let them play. And are they going to, you know, watch a t-ball team? It's hilarious. <laughs> and yet, and yet, it's part of the growth that's necessary. And then, so, you know, we need to get to that place of, of interaction again. But right in the center of 1 Corinthians 11 through 14 is chapter 13, and it's the love chapter. It's all about it's all about loving one another, loving God and loving one another and coming into that place. And that's the motive of our heart. That's right. You know, by the way, my listening friend, I mentioned the scripture and it's a powerful scripture. It's found in Proverbs 18. It says a man's gift makes rooms room for him. And really, you go into a church environment and you hope People are going to recognize you have, some, in fact, it may be uh, in need of some adjustment. But God wants people to your left and to your right to go, you know, you've got an anointing, an anointing in this kind of thing. What's your sense on this? And all of a sudden, when you speak horizontally and allow Holy Spirit to invest in you vertically, nuances of the truth that have never been heard before may come from your very lips. It's, it's, Richard, we've got three or four minutes. Okay, it, it, and it's tough to do that staring at the back of somebody's head, listening to somebody <laughs> with a microphone in exactly, their hand. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, and so, yes, and again, as an organizational psychologist, I, I'm, I, I'm not asking us to go to zero to 100. Change management in, in organizational psychology is one of the most difficult things to do. But there are, we can begin to model relationship on a Sunday morning. For, for, for example, I think people are really engaging in our dialogue. Yes, and so what would happen if a pastor brought up someone who had a revelation uh, dur- that he heard about a, a revelation during the week and brought him up and had this same type of dialogue? Maybe even do things like have a microphone so people can in the audience can actually ask a question or add to it. Yes. Those are ways to start the decentralizing of the Sunday morning and begin to spread the church out yes. to where people can get to gather together in relationship. And yet there still needs to be that administrative role of making sure that people aren't developing cults or people are going off doing sure. their own thing and building their own, uh, you know, their, their own world apart from Christ. But yeah. th- that's part of the organizational part that, that uh, is going to take some work, but it can be done. I, th- I think it was the Apostle Paul. Th- this is an interesting scripture or relate to that. He talks about where there is no oxen in the crib. The crib is clean, but much is to be garnered by the power of the ox. You know, from a spiritual standpoint, yeah. uh, 
everybody has something to say, but it can get a little bit messy. But if a pastor and the leadership is uh, understands how to properly approach that, it's going to be a learning experience. Some, sometimes if a person goes, you know, I, I understand what you're saying, and I, I embrace that. I missed the mark just a little bit. All of a sudden, everybody else goes, you know what? This is giving me more revelation than I've ever had before. And all of a sudden, the church becomes the church, and God yeah. has his say. We've got about two minutes left in this segment, Richard. My my, my daughter has three children, all under five. You talk about messy. (laughs) (laughs) And yet yet I watch the growth of these little kids, and I am in awe of their potential and their capability. And are they messy, and are they a handful, and and is mom running around pulling her hair out? Absolutely. Um, But... But again, when we go to a familial model rather than the organizational model, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to be able to, uh, uh, I, I think the word is mediate our expectations about what is healthy. Clean and sterile is not healthy. Uh, participation is oh healthy. Yes. And then having mature believers manage it well, um, uh, I think, can be done. And it's okay uh, uh, for that type of atmosphere uh, in the church. Yes. You know, Richard, we, we're running out of time in this segment. We've got another hour. We'll be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. I'll tell the world. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K Praise. Welcome back to the second hour, my friends, on Come Together San Diego. My co-host, Richard Russell, he's a powerhouse, and he's been a friend of mine for a couple decades, I'd say. And uh, we've had a chance to have similar talks through the years. But one of the things I've discovered about him, his heart is correct. His heart desires to hear what God wants us to do, and he needs he desires to hear and obey. But he's got uh, Scripture uh, as his rear guard, Holy Spirit as his uh, Foreguard, and uh, as he moves forward, he is always checking Scripture. He's also always checking what Holy Spirit is saying. And when you've got those two witnesses side by side by side, all of a sudden God has His church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Richard Russell and I are talking about uh, the spiritual components, the literal components about hearing God clearly as it relates to you as the ecclesia, a called out one within the church. My friend, it's also dealing with the church collectively as well. So we're talking about that. And uh, Richard, thanks for spending some time with me. We talked a little bit in the previous segments about what you called the familial uh, uh, model, which means dealing with the family, the horizontal relationships, and not the organizational model. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about how God wants to franchise the church. Franchise is a positive from a positive standpoint. But I thought, and you agreed with me, that we really needed to define what the church is before we can talk about franchising it. So I'm going to hand it back to you, Richard Russell. So again, in Scripture, it's there's two words for the body of Christ. Yes. One is the ecclesia, uh-huh. which, which is what I consider. The, they're both the same. It says very specifically in Scripture, both the ecclesia and the soma are mm-hmm. the same. The Soma is the body of Christ. The Ecclesia, I consider the local gathering. Mm-hmm. The Soma is the body of Christ at large. And, the, and, and simply, it's a gathering of believers together with, with this singular but dual purpose, and that is to know him and then reveal him. Mm-hmm. That's the foundation of the church. If, if we're not coming together to know him, 
if we're not coming together with that purpose of being in communion with him, then it turns into wood, hay, and stubble. It turns into this doing things for God rather than doing this. Uh, yeah, with God. It, it, exactly. it loses the intimacy is what you're saying. It, exactly. Mm-hmm. We lose the intimacy with God, which is, which is again, what going back to the beginning, what he created us for. He created us for that intimate relationship uh, to do life with him. And that's essentially the ecclesia, is doing life together with him. Yes. So, you know, I've knocked around over the over decades of being a believer and a progressive believer. I, you know, early on when I was with the Lord, I said, Lord, I, you know, there are lots of books and things out there of people teaching people, other people what to do and say, but I'm believing that your Holy Spirit is going to lead me into all truth. Mm-hmm. So here's the deal I'm going to make with you, Lord. I'm going to listen to what you have to say. Ancillary, in an ancillary fashion, I may check out what other people are saying, but that's very, very secondary, if at all. Holy mm-hmm. Spirit, I want you to tell me what to do and say based on your your direction, and then uh, entrust you to bring the right people into my life to mature me in those areas. And uh, we've not stopped. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really a, a good nuance for other believers to say, you know, I, I love my pastor and I love their teaching. I love this. You know, I, I read books and I visit the Internet and I do all these kind of things. But first and foremost, it has to be Holy Spirit, his anointed power on you and to you and through you outward and and when you can put those together with uh, a uh, like precious faith from a pastor's point of view or a, a bible teacher's or an author's point of view you're in good stead but don't ever take somebody else for their word for it god's going to he's you know he's going to ask right. us to be accountable for what we believe that's right and and so that that goes to what i call franchising the church and uh-huh. and i really appreciate francis chan is really a forerunner in developing um, the church network. He left. He was a very successful megachurch pastor, and he left the pulpit. He said, I need to get back to the people. And and he, he looked at the progression of the church and how unsustainable it was because the more people you had you know, the more popular he got, the bigger buildings he needed, and then the costs went up, and all of a sudden the focus was on sustaining the, you know, the administrative yes. costs and the and the overhead and and all that. And he just and he 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 had this revelation that I've had that we need to have a relational small church. Now, now he's they're still in the process of developing their network and. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a matter of fact, I've had some communication with them, and and th- they're struggling to develop a cohesive network where th- th- they they don't want to exercise too much control, but we don't want people be going people going off the rails. Exactly, exactly. And and so there needs to be what I call well, it more than an apostolic covering. There needs to be the covering of the, the fivefold. fivefold ministry. Exactly. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Exactly, which is very very yes. misunderstood in the church. The, misapplied the, for sure. The misapplied for sure. Yeah. And so when we have a proper understanding of the fivefold ministry and we can communicate it digitally and have an accountability platform to where small groups have access to a fivefold covering, then you can have a dramatic dispersion of of leadership without it going off the rails. 
And that's what I call franchising the church. We can go ahead and, and use the gift of the Internet. We, we so often think that, you know, Satan's in charge of the Internet. Well, no, Jesus is Lord of all. Yes. And I believe he allowed the creation of the Internet for a purpose. And I think it's the, the purpose is to spread the gospel throughout the entire earth and do it in a way that uh, that truth will be maintained. Yes. And yet do it on a model of relationship to where um, to where we can live and move and breathe and have the liberty of the Holy Spirit together horizontally. But there's not only the move of the Holy Spirit, but there's also this, this um, I, I call it like a web-based covering mm-hmm. that provides all the training, the well, small good. group training, uh, the doctrine, the theology, uh, the access to leaders upline in oh, case leaders good. are getting yeah. off, you know, if, if they think a leader's getting off. Um, and you take a look at the first century church. This is exactly the way it was. The Roman roads were used to spread the gospel. The, um, the, uh, uh, the the letters to the churches mm-hmm. is like the Bible, and we can we can spread the Bible through the internet um, exponentially sure. Sure. compared. But also, also if you notice, the apostles visited the churches. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. can be there can be literal visitations of leaders to different small churches when we develop a healthy network. Wow. And so it's a it's we're returning to the original church, but doing it, which is necessary today because of eight billion people, you know, six billion people need to be saved. He is providing the Internet and 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 a format by which we can spread the gospel in a radical fashion and do it in a way that's uh, that's healthy and biblical, going back to the original church sure. model. Well, Ephesians chapter 4, that's that's really the uh, franchise model. You know, a person wants to get in business, if they want to do a restaurant, they have different restaurants that do franchises or different businesses that do franchise. You, you take a look at the success of that franchise, that business, and, you, and then they franchise it. Here we are, the, the, the actual franchise is... Jesus and the body of Christ through uh, Ephesians chapter 4 for apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edification of the body of Christ. And each person contributes. Exactly. And that's that's been the... Loose chink in the chain, if you will, yep. uh, from our mentality of of building churches. We want it. We want the church to be a, a, a stamp of the the pastor or that particular leader, instead of allowing Holy Spirit to do the stamping. Let me leak a little bit. Sure. The, the, We've got about two minutes the, in this segment. The, Set it up. The the church. Uh, the the Bible says that the the church is built on the foundation yes. of the apostles and prophets, mm-hmm. not the roof. So. <laughs> we we have developed a hierarchical model and what uh, and and the f- purpose of the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints equipping the saints means to bring the individual to a place of wholeness and we can get into that you know we can we can dialogue about that a lot but essentially bring the individual into wholeness then connect them into the body and discover their place and then empower them that's the purpose of the fivefold so the the fivefold is eventually uh, i mean uh, essentially um, deeply servant-based, where we want to, where we want to um, come under people and discover who they are, bring them to that place of healing and wholeness, and then give them the opportunity to grow and mature through the expression 
of their identity and the gifts that God has given them. Yes. And it's and it's reversed today. And God wants to turn it up. So he literally wants to turn the church upside down. And he wants to find leaders that are humble and contrite and want to and and want to see the growth and maturity of the individual believer more than the accomplishment of their vision. Oh, absolutely. That's so good. We've got about a minute left in this segment, Richard. My listening friend, here, here's the deal. If you, a lot of the stuff that Richard is sharing, you say, yeah, I know about that stuff, but I think he's digging in a little bit more deeply so that you realize it's just not uh, head knowledge of, uh, of this. It's basically Holy Spirit-driven knowledge and uh, understanding and wisdom that really able, is able to tie this together. One of the you, things you said in an earlier segment, one of the key components of bringing this familiarity, I mispronounced that, but you understand where I'm going, my listening friend. What has been in many instances in a, in a family environment, the table is where you get together and you communicate with one another. Sadly, the table mentality has has gone from many families. It's just grab something quick to eat and so forth and so on. But the table has always been meant to be a place for horizontal and vertical relationship. I'm going to ask you to communicate that a little bit more in the next segment and we talk about about that you talked about Chris Reed uh, prophetic voice and some teachings and things like that we may voice that as well but I want you to talk about <clears throat> the different elements that are used to do this to bring the body together horizontally and vertically when Richard Russell and Kaz come right back excellent you're listening to come together san diego the live local show on k praise don't just listen to it be a part of it at 866-577-2473 you're just moments away from more come together san diego on k praise now more of come together san diego the live local show on k praise here's kaz taylor Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, my friends. Uh, you know, a lot of times we just, uh, you know, we have our calendar and we go to church on Sundays and then we do what we do on uh, Monday through Saturday and then back to church on Sundays. God says, I want to do church all the time. And the only way to really do that is to be able to have the relationship to do that. You know, you go to church because, okay, I have this relationship in a church environment. I sit in a pew. I listen. Then I go do my thing. Uh Monday through Saturday. No, 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 no. It's doing God's thing Monday through Sunday, times every week, times every month, times every year, on into eternity. And the values are beyond compare. So Richard Russell is with me here, and we're talking about the power of horizontal and intimate relationships within the church, uh, and not really tied to the organizational side, all those are necessary, but the anointed familial, as he said, the family side. And in the last segment, we set the stage for talking a little bit more about some of the core values within the church. I mentioned the part of God's plan for the church is tied to the breaking of bread or communion. And Richard, remind me, and so validly so, that communion is more than just a relationship by the breaking of bread. There's There's a communion with one another, and there's a communion with God. And those are really tied to the core values of the church. Richard Russell uh, is, a, is a man of God. He loves the Lord, and he's an author, the author of Hearing God Clearly. And we're hoping during this broadcast to hear God more clearly. Richard Russell, how would you like to tie this together with the core values of the church? Well, I, again, for some reason, I'm quickened to just be too to to you know have 
probably TMI on, on my personal feelings about church, <laughs> but my probably the most awkward time in church on a Sunday morning is the three minutes, you know, when when uh, when worship is over and they say, okay, turn to one another. Yeah. And, and it's like, I, I'm a, like a really deep guy. I like to go like to level three in communication. And it's like that, that three minutes is really awkward because that's the one part that that's a, one element of relationship we get in a church, and it's just weird for me. Anyway, I just felt like I needed to share that. <laughs> yep. But the five values that I believe, the five scriptures that I think are the core values of the church, starts off with First um, John one one through four, and First John one one through four essentially says this: what we've what we've experienced, what we've seen, this person that we've met and that we know, this person that we have communion with. God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ. We share that communion with one another, with those who have that same koinonia, koinonia. with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And we long for others to have that same koinonia with God so our joy can be complete. The motive, the motive of the church, the purpose of the church, isn't the Great Commission. The Great Commission is the fruit. Mm. But if we aren't motivated by love, that we want people to experience this, not just fill the pews, but we want people to experience his revelation of Jesus Christ. If we're motivated by that, we can change the world. Yeah. Familial, or another word would be relational. Relational, familial, yeah. uh, this connection. We abide together. It's about per- abiding, not performing. Mm-hmm. That's the foundation of God's church. And when we abide together, the Holy Spirit can move. Yes. And we, we put off expectations. Um, Go ahead. I, I just love, I was just reading some of your notes here, koinonia, uh, God and one another, vertical and horizontal. Yes. And you know, my listening friend, I always do the analogy, if you take that which is vertical and horizontal, you form the cross. And that's exactly what Jesus has done by coming and dying for our sins. Amen. He's able to connect the horizontal with the with the vertical, and we become one with the Lord. I mean, that's when you actually think about that, it's, it's remarkable, because yeah. uh, the God who created all things wants to have intimate relationship with us. Not only does he want to have intimate relationship with us, he wants to whisper in our ear and say, I'm going to give you a nugget. I want you to share that with other people. And all of a sudden the church becomes the church and God has control of the church. And he's got plans for the church that we have to realize that by just doing the mundane church mentality, we're missing the mark and there's no more time for missing the mark. We got to get it and we got to get it now, Richard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that segues nicely into the the second scripture, which is Matthew 16, 18, Mm -hmm. which Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on a revelation of me. And mm-hmm. we can go into the backstory on it. I, we don't have time to go into the backstory on it. But but essentially he says, I'm going to build my church on a revelation of Jesus Christ. Yes. And and uh, and again, I think it's in 1 Corinthians. It's in 1 Corinthians. And Paul talks about beware how you build on another man's foundation. Mm-hmm. That foundation is Jesus Christ and him alone. And anything else is wood, hay, and stubble. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering... I'm wondering, you know, we always cry fire, fire, fire. What's going to happen to the church if God really does bring his fire? And how much is going to be wood, hay, and stubble? And how much is going to be that pure gold of the yes. knowledge of Jesus Christ that, that is shared with one another? And and I think the fire's coming. I'll be honest. I yes. think the fire's coming. And, and there should be a fear of God in church leaders to say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm, I fear God. I want to start doing it his way. Oh, my, Richard. You know, that is so true. 
But the other thing is the conviction and the confidence when we do it his way. Uh, the Bible says there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And a lot Ooh. of ta- a lot of times we uh, think we got it, and we're gonna we'll do what we think Jesus might have done, or what we think. Here's how I'm relating that scripture that gives me freedom to do. Blah, 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 blah. And if you carry the depth of the scripture further, you realize that's the furthest thing from what the scripture says. And we just take it because it's convenient to our our flesh, our mind, our mm-hmm. own personal perspective. God says, no, no, no. And one of the things that you and I have spent time on is talking about the value of Holy Spirit intervention. When Holy Spirit goes, here's the way, this is the way, walk therein. It changes things, doesn't it, Richard? It's, it certainly does. And and yeah, I've, I've got to admit that the my motive, my my motive and my passion for this is is that Scripture says in the end times, mm-hmm. uh, there will difficult times will come and many people will fall away. Yes, and and everybody's focused on the billion person harvest. The billion per, you know, well the church is one completely unprepared for it, um, but two, um, my passion is to save the saved. What's going to say that slowly because that's a hefty word. Okay, to save I, the saved. To save the saved because what happens when difficult times come? And we've been taught this uh, genie in a bottle gospel. Where's the cost of discipleship? Where's the where's where's the Revelation twelve? And this is the church he's mm-hmm. going to have in the end times. Is that we overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and we did not love our lives even unto death. Yes, that. Measure that with my heart. My heart falls short of that. Yeah. I mean, I got the Lord told me in October 2019 before all this COVID stuff came down. He says, "Rich, I I need you to get sanctified because if there are any hooks that the world has in you, I worry about you. You need to have your heart oh, clean Lord. and fully focused on me. Yes. And that's really what my passion is. He's he started with me, and I'm saying, Church, get your heart." Focused on Christ. Yes, it's more eternal life is more important than anything that we're going to experience in this world. Richard, that's one of my go-to scriptures when I realize the level of maturity God intends for us, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And the blood of the Lamb is the entry entry mm-hmm. way into this. You cannot go further into the Lord without the blood of the Lamb uh, and His sacrifice on our behalf. Blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, was which ha- happens as a result of this. Mm-hmm. We are confident to be able to speak God's word because God has shown us himself through his sacrifice. And people go, oh, and that's the end of the scripture. Oh, no, it isn't. They love not their life unto the death. And, yeah. and it's not saying everybody's going to have to die for their faith. Exactly. But it, having that level of conviction, mm-hmm. boy, oh, boy, when I have that level of conviction, the enemy can't uh, can't pull me aside and, and, and mess around with me because uh, I'm— Confident unto death because through that confidence, I have eternal life. Richard, Amen. we've got about two minutes in this thing. Okay, so I, I quickly want to go over to a couple other scriptures. One is the one is the um, uh, the equipping of the saints and yes. how do we equip the saints? So we've talked we've talked about the fivefold equipping the saints, but Second Corinthians three eighteen is mm-hmm. the key, and it talks about when a person turns to the Lord, there the Spirit of the Lord is. And we behold him as in a mirror face to face, and we're transformed from glory to glory. We are transformed not by education, but by revelation. 
by yes. encounter with the person and nature of Jesus Christ. We need to foster that environment in the church where we are coming together, not just by singing songs, but by teaching people mm. the centrality and preeminence of Christ and what do we need to do to practice and exercise that centrality and preeminence of Christ and yes. how do we how do we live that in a practical way oh that is so good that is so good talking about looking in the mirror and you know basically you're beholding the body of Christ and mm-hmm. the body of Christ is a many-membered body but the scripture also says as he is so are we in this world and God wants us to be like him in this world now because there's challenges in our face right now mm-hmm. and it can't be based on my suppositions based on what feels good it has to be knowing that as he is so are we in this world but it's a we Richard so I can't make it without you Absolutely. and you can't make it without me and my listener friend you can't make it without the ones that God has put to your left and to your right and my pastor friend your congregation is a part of the solution not to those who you just preach to it's a it's a group of people who minister side by side one with one another we've got uh, about 20 seconds left so i'm going to what's the, give me two or three words you're going to talk about in the next segment okay we'll the next into. segment i want to talk about isaiah 61 okay isaiah 6 oh my friends the book of isaiah is powerful when you take <laughs> it in isaiah you will have fun and richard and i are going to talk about the book of isaiah starting around 60 61 and beyond it'll blow your mind and richard Russell and I are going to be blowing your mind when we come right back. (laughs) More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Now back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Cass Taylor. Welcome back, my friends. The last half hour of the broadcast is before us. And so are some uh, insights from Richard Russell. He's a powerhouse. He is tied to a Christ-centered spiritual counseling environment, uh, actually to maximize the whole spiritual body together uh, to be a single unit, and that God wants us to be a trifold being with a single focus, and that's where God wants us to be. And Richard has devoted much of his life to that. He's the author of a book called Hearing God Clearly, and we are endeavoring to hear God more clearly as we talk about things in this show about where the church is uh, and where the church is not, and, and encouraging us to be uh, Christ-centered, familial, or family-related, and see where God takes us from there. And and at the end of the last segment, Richard tossed a scripture, and when he tossed the scripture, I went, Ugh! and I, you know, as I look at my Bible, this is one of my favorite most portions of the Bible is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter. Uh, 61, and then you're ta- going to talk about verse 3. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say any more. I'm going to let you knit this together, my brother, Richard Russell. Isaiah 61 is is uh, one of my core value scriptures, and, and just a few years ago, I had a jaw-dropping revelation out of Isaiah 61.3 when I started doing a deep dive into the Hebrew. It's always good to get to the Hebrew. And what I discovered was that not one English Bible of the top 10 Bibles, top most popular Bibles, get that first line of Isaiah 61 verse 3 correctly. And the first word, I think, in your Bible is a point. There's another word to grant. There's Again, there's eight different English words trying to fit this one line together. Let me read the whole verse, and then you can pull it together like Great. that. So, yes, my Bible talks about the word a point. It says um, in Isaiah 
uh, chapter 61, verse 3, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that we might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And so you say there's at least 10 words that... Uh, uh, are relative that, that still don't touch touch the original Hebrew. A mind says to appoint them who mourn in Zion, and and so the word the word in the Hebrew is actually means to place, and Genesis two eight says, and God placed Adam in the garden. Oh my! So the word is to place those who mourn in Zion, but contextually the interpreters couldn't make any sense of that in the English. But when you look at the term Zion, come on, Kaz, you're the man. Zion represents God's abiding place. Yes, it's where it's where His presence is. It's the most intimate of intimates. Exactly, and so Isaiah sixty-one three read properly means to place those who mourn into God's presence. Mm, yeah. Is that good stuff? Oh, it is good stuff. So all of a sudden, the entire meaning for me changed on what, what was the purpose of verses 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. The purposes of verses 1 and 2 was to open up people, using the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing, to open up people's hearts, to place them who are mourning into God's presence so that God can do the work of bringing uh, um, more. Read, read the rest of verse three. The mourning for or yes, uh, it, it talks about in verse three um, uh, the spirit of praise for the, uh, the uh, praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be trees of righteousness in the planting of the Lord that that He God may be glorified right. in that right. God does the transformation, not us. Mm-hmm. All we can do is demonstrate the power of God in verses 1 and 2. That's what the anointing does. The anointing demonstrates the power of God to open up their hearts so Jesus can have an encounter with him. Yes. And and what we've done is we've stopped at the anointing. So who gets who gets the glory? The person with the anointing. The entire charismatic renewal has been tarnished by people being honored for the anointing that was on them. Scripturally, I believe that they should be the most humble people because all they want to do is connect people with Christ. Good. Not build their own ministry, mm-hmm. not build their own church, not be glorified in the midst of Jesus being glorified. They have one sole purpose, and that's to connect people with a direct revelation with Jesus Christ, which goes back to how he's going to build his church yes. in Matthew sixteen eighteen. Yes. Yes. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. And he hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open uh, the prisons to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, Rich, and the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all those that mourn. And this where it picks up your verse 3 to appoint. Uh, to, to place them, those to place those that mourn in Zion and to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, become trees of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, so that he may be glorified. I, I, wonderful, such a powerful scripture, but even more powerful when you bring it together through the original Hebrew. And when God gets to bring the transformation, 
then we become then we become oaks of righteousness, the planting mm. of the Lord, and then we re- be, then we're equipped to rebuild the cities. Oh my, yes. And and those the cities are start with individuals. Again, it goes back to that relational connection of seeing people transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit through a revelation of Jesus Christ. That's right. That and, should be our passion. And it's a very interesting uh, verse because in verse two. This is where Jesus identified the scripture, and he said, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. But the truth of the matter, he ended with this. He said to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and that's when he, where he stopped. But the truth of the matter is that means we believers get to carry on from there. And it talks about uh, proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of God uh, to comfort all them that mourn. That's a that's a body of Christ. Uh, calling basically, and we're in those times right now that God mm-hmm. says, I- "I'm going to I'm going to set the stage for this. All those who uh, are bruised, I'm going to bring healing into that." But because I, there's a time for vengeance of the Lord, which is coming soon to a world near you, mm-hmm. and God has ordained His body to accommodate these things. It's a remarkable scripture. Richard. It's fascinating. In Luke 4.18, uh, he stopped at the end of verse 2 mm-hmm. because he was, by sitting down, the Jews knew that he was saying, this day you have been placed in the presence of the Lord. Wow. That's why he stopped at verse 2, and they knew what he was saying, and that's why they wanted to throw him off of a cliff oh, yes. because he was claiming this, I am the one, you have now been placed in God's presence. I. He was proclaiming himself to be God yes. by stopping at verse 2, and the Jews understood it. And I want us to understand it, too, that, that, that we need to stop at, at verse 2, with the anointing, we're not the fourth person of the Godhead. We need to encourage people to connect with God once their hearts are opened. Yes. And right. once their hearts are opened, then they get a revelation of Jesus, and then all of a sudden they're, they're genuinely – they're not just healed of a broken leg or whatever gets healed. You know, they, are, they are literally transformed uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit through that revelation. Good, Richard. So it's about time for us to take a break. We're going to have one more segment to go. One of the time, things we do, Richard, on the show is we set the stage in the whole uh, seven of eight segments. In the eighth segment, you tie all the pieces together and you do a call to action. So we're going to have you do that, if you would, in the, in the last segment. My listening friend, here's the deal. God has his church. He's built his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That's you. That's I. But we have to be properly constructed as God desires us to do. And that construction is not based on... Uh, it's not based on uh, having the, all the right doctrine only. It's the proper application, and it's on a familiar, familial, uh, relational basis, and not necessarily pounding the pulpit and saying, this is how it is. No, God wants us to show people how it is through us. Mm-hmm. Richard uh, Russell and I are going to talk more about this as he ties all the strings together and does a call to action <laughs> in the last segment when we come. He's laughing, but he's going to be able to do it because I'm going to be right beside him. And so is Holy Spirit when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Hello, my friends. Here's Kaz Taylor, but also here is co-host Richard Russell. Uh, He's the author of Hearing God Clearly, and we've been exercising that desire to hear God clearly. 
And he's going to tie this whole hour together right now in this last segment. And, you know, when we we talk, we basically, and you'll do this when you talk as well, you go, what was the original intent of this, the purpose, whatever the purpose happens to be in life or whatever it is, what was the original intent? And I think Richard wants to take us back to the original intent of the original church. And for that, you have to go beyond where we think we are comfortable into the Jewish component as well. I'm going to hand the baton to you, Richard Russell. You have the last segment to do so. Lay it on us, man. Okay, yeah. Thanks for the curveball. I'll try and hit it. <laughs> uh, the, the, I, I think to sum it all up, the, the, God's heart is to bring us back to the original church, and the original church was deeply relational. And yeah. some of the values that I shared um, uh, you know, really reveal that the, the talking about First Corinthians eleven through fourteen sure. on on what does it look like on a very practical level. I mean, just gather together around a potluck and and eat and talk about Jesus. That's what they did, and that's what they did. And and the Holy Spirit invades that, and <laughs> and and uh, he 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 wants to listen in when people are talking about Jesus, and he wants to participate in the discussion. That's right. You know, that's the that's the simplicity. Uh, of of gathering together, so you know, I and there's a there's a couple things that that okay, there I, I guess they're like uh, I don't know pet peeves you'd call them, sure, and and that is our departure from our Jewish roots, and you know maybe you can talk about that a little bit, but the and, and we talked about it on a previous segment, the tragedy of what we've lost by not understanding the feasts, yes. The first Seder, I've, the first Seder I did, I've been in the Lord for 43 years. The first Seder I did was in 2014, maybe about nine or 10 years ago. And it was a, it was done by two very knowledgeable men. One of them had spent six months in Israel studying with a rabbi and really getting to know sure. uh, the feasts and especially the Passover Seder. And they spent about two, we did about two, almost three hours of a Seder dinner. Yes. I was weeping mm-hmm. through most of it. How could they not know Jesus? Mm. How could they not see him? And it was jaw-dropping to me. And I go, what about the church? Yeah. What about the church? If they knew, if they knew what a Passover Seder was like, I mean, just that's the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. If we knew the rest of the feast, our devotion and our adoration of Christ would just go so much deeper. One of the things I found about studying the feasts and festivals, not only does it give you deeper intimacy with the Savior, but it also forewarns you of the dangers. It's all built in there. It's all built in there. That's right. And people go, I don't care about things like, are you kidding me? You want to understand end times? You want to understand God's plans for his kids in the end times? Understand the feasts, the festivals, the harvest, yeah. and the the times and dates on the calendar. Yeah. It's mind-boggling. I'm going to hand it back to you because yeah. uh, we want to, you know, my listening friend, here's the deal. We want you to realize that God has a desire for you to have intimate relationship. And uh, Richard's giving you some components to help you have that intimacy. Richard. And so let's, what, what would be a call to action on, a, on a, just a, a down and dirty practical level? And, and, and again, you know, let me stir the waters a little bit and, and maybe ruffle the feathers of, of some church leaders. But I, I think a lot of church leaders would really want this level of engagement mm-hmm. is that if, if you're going to church and you, want, and, and, and you want more of Jesus, you want more of a lifestyle Christianity than an event-based Christianity, go to your pastor and say, I want to open up my home. What can you do Ooh, to help so me? Good. What can you do to help me? I, I'm not sure that I have the anointing. I'm not sure that I'm a teacher. I'm not sure what I can do. 
um, but I but I I want to volunteer. I want to open up my home, and and I don't know how to do it. What can we do? That's right. What can we do? And you can contact me, or you can you know if whatever. I'm I'm willing to. I want to sure. serve, and I want to see this relational church develop. Yes. Um, and so I think that would probably be the the, the go to is sure. if you are interested in yeah. a deeper connection uh, with one another in Christ. Uh, and you're a little bit nervous or insecure about it, uh, go to your pastor and say, I really, want, I, I, I really want to do this. I really want to go deeper in my walk with God. What, sure. what can the church do to facilitate that? Sure. Because um, let's face it, you know, um, I mean, the first time I opened up my home, I, I, was, I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> I, I literally would spend a half an hour before the meeting started. Just all I would do is tell Jesus, I don't know what I'm doing. Sure. And you know what his response was every single week? Don't worry, I do. I got it. I've got it. That's yes, right. and it's amazing how how I began to trust and lean on the move of the Holy Spirit as my heart was, as it says in Isaiah sixty six, humble and contrite. Yes, just come before Him, humble and contrite, and say, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. But there can be training to deal with sure. the the problems you run into in small groups, the Debbie Downers, the sure. the Absolutely. alpha males, the you know the <laughs> all that stuff that that goes on can go on in a small group. There can be a collection of 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 people who have who who open up their home and they can actually get together and dialogue about sure. hey what happened and how do we figure it out so that's yeah, my absolutely. encouragement. But one of the ways here and you know no pastor is going to say you're not allowed to have people over at the house and have dinner together. I mean that's that's good. I mean that's totally good. And why not invite people over just to have dinner together? Ulterior motive is to just understand their familiar horizontal relationship and uh, invite some people that have some maturity, uh, maybe mm-hmm. some people that are in church leadership. But make it just a, come on over and let's uh, break it open a couple of uh, hamburgers and ha- have some uh, watermelon and have, have just a just visit. And but make it a manageable group. Don't make it forty people. Make it uh, maybe three or four or, or two or three couples that have some level of maturity. And just Holy Spirit will go. I like this. Watch what I can do. And it, it may evolve, if you will, or transform into that familiar relationship where God can go. Have you ever thought about this? And you, and you just blow on that, and all of a sudden the church becomes the church. We've got about three minutes left here. You want to pray over our listeners, or what, what, what's your desire I, here, Richard? I, I, I want to go back to that Chris Reed prophecy, yeah. and and the um, and and I believe that, and this is, I, I've heard this a lot. I've heard it myself, and I've heard it from other prophets, that um, that God is going to be establishing hubs of his presence. Yeah. And uh, and I think this is where it's going to start, is that, is that we just gather in homes and watch what the Holy Spirit does. And that's what, you know, Chris Reed really talked about, uh, you know, that Acts 2.42 model of listening to the apostles' teaching and to prayer and to fellowship and the breaking of bread. Mm-hmm. And if you just ha- start with that foundation, mm-hmm. start with that foundation and just say, okay, God, the rest is on you, and then see where it goes. Prayer, and then, fellowship, and the breaking of bread. Everybody can do that. Everybody can Come do on. that. Come on. That's right. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, it you know, as a matter of fact, I, I'm I'm not sure he wants the really talented people. As a matter <laughs> of fact that as a matter of fact in in Timothy it says that uh it says that he's looking for the faithful. He's gonna build his church on the faithful, not on the talented and the gifted. That's right. 
And the, and the word is, I will build my church. He's the one that's going to do it. You, you know, he needs to have the raw materials together. So he go, okay, I'll use this here and you use this here. And all of a sudden the, the church, the structure of the church happens. So he will build it. You just bring the raw materials. The most consistent and painful discipline that I've experienced in my walk with God is that, Rich, you can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and my listening friend, you can't do it either, but your willingness to bring other the, the raw materials together and see what God does, that's exciting. Exactly. So how about, how about a little bit of prayer? We, okay, very good. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. So, Father God, we just, uh, uh, we, just, we just come into the throne room to just abide with you. We would just want to pray that you um, that you give each listener the grace and the mercy to um, uh, to connect with you on a deeper level, uh, to to hear your heart and your will for not only the individual's life but those that they care for. We are instruments and conduits of the Holy Spirit. We're not the generators; we're just instruments and conduits. And I pray that. Every single individual listening, including myself and Cass mm-hmm. and Joe in the sound room, would have one heart, and that's to come before you and get to know you, because only in the getting to know you can we reveal you. And I pray that you give your church that passion to come back to its first love, pure and simple. Well, my listening friend, what a powerful prayer. Thank you, Richard. And my listening friend, here's the deal. God has plans for you. He's got plans for the people around whom you cohabitate. He's got people uh, plans for the people in the, in the body of Christ. He wants to do this, but he will build his church. You just have to provide the environment. So my listening friend, it's about time for us to go away, but you need to know something. God has specific plans, and more so now than ever before. We are in the final of the final days, and he needs his church to be his church. So it's not going to it's not uh, rocket science to come together one with another, break bread together, pray and hear what God has to say. It could be through you and or other people. Let's see what God's plans are because his plans are yea and amen and he's got great plans for you. He wants you simply to listen and obey and trust Holy Spirit and you'll be amazed at what he does with you to you and through you. It's about time for me to go away and come together to San Diego. And Richard, thank you for joining us. Thanks for joining Cast Hater and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on K-Praise. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.